Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. G'day, welcome to Better Make It Quick. It is our midweek edition where we delve back into the back catalogue of Better Than Yesterday, which is a podcast that's been here since 2013, making it better each and every episode by having a conversation with someone who's been there before. My name is Osha Ginsberg. I am a podcaster. I'm a TV host. I'm an author. I'm a very short hair haver, and I'm here to talk to you today about an episode we did in 2016 with Leanne Enoch, the Honourable. Leanne Enoch, pardon me. When I spoke with her, she was the Minister for Innovation Science and the Digital Economy and Minister for Small Business in the seat of Algester in Queensland. She's now, in 2023, Minister for Treaty, Minister for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Partnerships, Minister for Communities, and Minister for the Arts. Before we get going, tickets for the live shows in Melbourne are on sale right now. We're doing two podcast shows on the 22nd of February and from the 27th, of March, late March, going into April, we are doing the first couple of days of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Tickets are in the show notes. Now, this show was a huge deal for me, and it's still, I'm, I'm thrilled to play it for you because it was a, a real moment when my presence in the podcast space was hey, this guy's doing stuff that no one else is doing. Let's use it as a way to get messages that we otherwise don't get out out into the world. And so when her staff reached out to me and said, can you come to Parliament House in Queensland? I was thrilled considering the work that she does and the story she has to tell as the first Aboriginal Australian woman to be elected to the Queensland Parliament. I jumped at the chance. We have a great chat in this conversation. We talk about her teenage years, how the family that she was in and the part of the Queensland, well, how racism played a role in her life, essentially. What her grandmother taught her about shame and how someone like her finds a career in politics. It's a great conversation. So let's start talking to Leanne about growing up in Woodridge. Uh, it's in the south of Brisbane, in the outer bits at the time when she grew up, it was outer, outer, and a bit, uh, yeah, a bit, how, how you doing? Let's say it. So I wanted to know, how old was she when it became apparent to her that she was different from the other kids? 
Um, probably not till high school, to be honest, because where I got to go to school, so I went to Woodridge State School, Woodridge State High School, uh, we were all pretty much from the same kind of backgrounds and I had a lot of family that were living um, in the suburb as well. So it didn't really feel like there was much difference at all. It was only till we got to high school and uh, interacted with other schools more and, you know, did regional sports and all that sort of stuff that you started to realise, oh, hang on a second, um... Yeah, there's something different here and all of a sudden you start to realise that your identity plays a part in the way that you interact with the rest of the world. But when you're a kid, how do you, how do you even begin to make, make sense of that? I mean, I remember the first time that I went to a friend's house and by all, no, I'm white, male, middle class and straight. I'd, with fabulous hair. Yeah, I, fabulous I hair. won the lotto. Right? <laughs> I, won, I won our modern society. You know, the world is biased towards me in a jillion, jillion ways. Uh, you're a born uh, Indigenous woman uh, in, you know, in low socioeconomic in, Yeah, low socioeconomic suburb. class. Yeah. How do you even begin to make sense of... Well, let's say, for example, even just the socioeconomic differences, mm. let alone the, the mm. cultural difference. Mm. How do you begin to make sense of that? Because uh, Woodridge, when I grew up, was mm. still like a ooh, Woodridge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so how do you even begin to make sense of those socioeconomic differences mm. as a kid? Yeah, and that's again, it's like when you don't have anything but you grow up with so much love and compassion and uh, fun, like we had so much fun as a kid. And I think a lot of people in my age bracket or <clears throat> late 40s, um, you know, we had so much fun as kids. You'd get on your bike or you'd go for a, um, you know, walk with your friends up into the bushlands and whatever and mm. you'd be gone all day, make sure you're back by sundown, that kind of stuff. And we, in Woodridge, we were all in the same kind of boat. Everybody was, you know, there was nobody that had more than somebody else uh-huh. really, except one of my friends had a colour TV. Wow. That was huge because... I don't, I don't know how old you are, but you look much younger than me. But I'm not much younger. Wizard, Wizard of Oz, when that came onto the television set and it had like half black and white and half colour, yeah. I was like so staying at my friend's place because she had a colour TV. That was the big, big, big event for kids in our, in our suburbs. So everybody was over friend's place who had colour TV. But apart from that one friend who's, whose mum was a teacher at the school, you know, we were all in the same boat, so nobody knew any different. Yeah. So, like I said, until really, you know, it didn't really make any comparisons until you start get start getting into high school. And I remember we were really lucky. Our school was very much committed to making sure that the kids at our school got to have these different experiences. And so, you know, we went to the snow. We went skiing, which was a huge endeavour, you know. Lots of it's us a had, long way from Brisbane. It was. It's like 29 hours in a bus. Yeah. There's a long... People from overseas may not understand how far away Brisbane is from everywhere oh, else. yeah, of course. It's a long way. Yeah. And the highway back then was not awesome. No. No, not great. Not great at all. It's so, like a yeah. day and a half in a bus. Absolutely. Yeah. With um, a bunch of year 11 and 12 kids. Oh, yeah. So, you know, 16, 17-year-olds. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, but one year we, um, we shared the expense of the trip. Um, with another school from the Gold Coast and they were from a school where there was a little bit more, you know, economic advantage, I guess, if you like. And boy, did they give it to us, like all the way down in the bus about being poor kids. And and it wasn't really until then that I, I understood what that meant. Yeah. And like I said, at the time, when you're in your sort of mid to late teens and you're really understanding who you are in the world and how how that plays a part in how you interact. I mean, it could give you a complex. You think, I'm, oh, I'm poor. <laughs> I'm poor. I didn't realise I was, I was poor and that that's a bad thing apparently, you know. 
Leanne's family has a lot of history growing up in Queensland, and her father had to deal with racism growing up himself. So I wanted to know from Leanne, where does the feeling of shame play in and around all of that? Well, I know when that word shame, I think about my grandmother, um, who I just adored. And if you get a handle on Aboriginal culture, and for some of your overseas listeners, you know, Aboriginal culture, uh, grandparents are really important. Like they play a key role in the upbringing of children. I went to a community just outside of uh, Alice Springs Mm -hmm. and Damien was his English name, Australian name, whatever. He says, uh, (laughs) uh, this is mum granny. Yeah. I said, what? He goes, that's the closest way I can begin to translate the name for her. Yeah. And this is dad uncle. Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. All right. So it's not just two, it's 16 yeah, <laughs> people right. you answer to. Exactly. That's right. So like my dad, uh, so my Aboriginal parent, he was the eldest of 15. So I have four aunts that are my, like my mothers and, you know, I have all of these uncles who are like my father and they really are like that. And then on top of that, in our kinship structure, our family structure, first cousins have the same status as brother and sister. So I have 42 first cousins. I'm the eldest of all of those. So there's all of that that happening. But for my grandmother, who was an incredibly important um, person in my life and in my brother's lives, you know, she experienced worse things than my father. I mean, you know, she grew up in Cairns, you know, at the time of uh, World War Two, and uh, her families were removed from their, forcibly removed from their from their countries, she, it was, it was, um, you know, forced into the minds of young people at that time of her growing up, that being Aboriginal was a shameful thing, that it was a bad thing, that if you spoke your language, that was a dirty, non-godlike thing. That shame, you know, when I was little, I remember her, I remember this very clearly, actually. I was in grade 11, so I was about 16, and I was talking to her. I was the first one to get to this stage in my family. So I was talking to her about my future and I was saying, you know, should I continue on with school and go to uni? I think I want to go to university maybe. Or should I drop out now and get a job like everybody else? Or, you know, it was, it was one of those sort of crossroad moments. And she held my hand and she said in such a loving and warm way that I thought, oh, these, these are encouraging words. Okay, this is what's, you know, going to help me make my decision. She said to me, you can walk amongst them and they'll never know. You can walk amongst them and they'll never know. That's what she said to me. And I was like, what the heck are you talking about? But of course, this is her, her um, dealing with the shame and that's how she you know, projected it. Yeah. Um, the idea that somehow either I could play a different role because people wouldn't straight away think I'm Aboriginal or that maybe... At the time, she was thinking, well, you could um, slip through and maybe be uh, have some success because, you know, if you don't tell them you're Aboriginal, you'd be okay. Uh, uh, this was part of her understanding her own beliefs that she yeah. had been, that had been hammered into her brain. So that's, that's the shame stuff. Yeah. When I think of the word shame, those lessons that I learnt from my grandmother are how I think about it. Hmm. The way that you see so many people pay such attention to the way they bring up their kids and what values mm. they put their kids upon mm. to consider that there's such an enormous part of our society who 
grew up with these messages mm. of, no, actually, no, you're less than mm. and you're not worth. And even now being told, just get over it. Yeah. It's a long time it. ago. What are you going on about? <laughs> so, because I'm just thinking about your father. It must have been, I think, in, in 67 when I think about it, to have grown up in your own country in the late 60s would have been quite a, an uncommon thing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, she, uh, so my dad, our family was quite fortunate on North Stradbroke Island. There was a mission there, mm. um, but it wasn't it wasn't the same as what you saw on mainland mm. um, Queensland. So it was still bad. There was still, you know, you're not allowed to speak language. There's no corroboree or ceremony to be conducted here, that kind of stuff. But it wasn't as harsh as what you saw on the mm. mainland. And uh, I think only a few of our family members ended up being moved to Cherbourg, um, which is not far from, it's about three hours drive from Brisbane. But mm. we were quite fortunate, I think, you know, that's my dad's recollection of it as well. That were, there, were there still corroborees going on? Um, not to the same extent that you would have expected. Yeah. But, you know, my dad taught me and taught my brothers and my sons, you know, some very important lessons about their country yeah. and their culture. So the more, the more and more, and I told this to, I've told this to a few guests that I've spoken to, the more I read about it, the more I realise I don't know. Mm. And that's the, the, the frightening thing. When, when I, the, as the more I discover, the more I realise I did not get taught this in school. No. This is not what I was told. Mm. They completely forgot to tell me about this part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what? That For me, that attitude is really healthy. Like if you come at something with, I actually don't know everything about this, and if you come with a questioning mind, then that's great. And you can be just your normal, gentle self um, in the questioning process to help you understand things, you know? Like it's when you come with a particular closed view about the whole thing is when we have trouble. So... When you held your grandmother's hand, yeah. was that like, oh, I've got to do this? Um, yes, it was. You know, because I, I tell that story all the time because it is, those words have really stuck with me and I've created my own interpretation of that um, over the years. You know, it's probably the same for every, every, every grandparent out there, um, every person who's had the privilege of having grandparents in their lives. It's probably the same, but for me, my grandparents, which were many, they they had this way of giving you these little lessons that you just store in the back of your mind or in your heart somewhere that you don't sort of think about until the time that you need it. And they could have been long gone from this earth, you know, 20 years ago, and all of a sudden you're remembering that one thing that they had placed in your um, spirit, if you like, about this this thing. So... Those words from my grandmother, um, every time I take the next step, I create a new interpretation of what she, what she was trying to teach me. Back in a moment with Leanne Enoch. Thanks for being a part of the show, but I do have to play some ads to pay the bills. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Better Than Yesterday. It's Sasha Ginsberg here. Better Make It Quick, our Wednesday edition, where refreshing our memories to the time I went to the Queensland Parliament building at the top of the... I don't know which street it is. George Street? They're all George Streets. Uh, to visit with Leanne Enoch, who's still in Parliament. She's extraordinary. I wanted to know from Leanne, well, she's a member of Parliament. So was there a point in her life where she decided, I'm going to roll up my sleeves. If I'm going to make change, I'm going to have to get in there and do it myself. You know, I wish I could tell a story of that, that I had a pivotal moment mm. where I wanted to be an activist and make big change. But it wasn't like that. I've just always felt like I need to be part of you know, that change movement. I need to be part of what is going to be next for Queensland and for Australia. And so even as a teacher, I was thinking about it, you know. From then I went into policy and I wanted to be in the middle of how do we enact some change in this so that people are better off. That so this is a, so you went into a role that was not elected in. No. You worked underneath somebody who was elected in, helping that somebody yeah. with, okay, let's figure out a policy that, that we can try and present. Well, I worked for, I was a public servant. So oh. I came from the uh, classroom into the education department to uh-huh. write policy. Right. And then from there, worked in local government and then back into state government and then um, worked for Australian Red Cross for nearly seven years. Again, looking at how do we ensure that everybody gets a fair go in in moving forward. So even those people who are the most vulnerable, how do we create some level playing field so that they can be part of the future Mm. um, that just as I was the first in my family, there are still Aboriginal people and families who haven't had a first in their family to get to university or to finish high school. So, you know, these... I know how important that is. So these are things that I became very passionate about. And so I've always wanted to be in the hurly-burly of policy making and um, change making. And then one day I was in a paddock at Laura at the Laura Festival, which is this huge um, Indigenous arts and dance festival. Um, it happens every couple of years. And they do it in Laura, which is a very remote town in Queensland. And people go and camp out there and all the rest of it. So I was there with the Department of Education and my minister at the time was Anna Bly, who became the Premier for Queensland. And so I'm in this paddock. She's walking down with a towel over her shoulder. She's off down the creek with everybody else for a swim because it was a hot day. And I'm just chatting away to her like a normal person. You know, she's talking to me about how she loves being part of policy, creation, etc. I'm like, oh, I like doing that. I mean, I didn't have any... Um, There were no markers in the water for me. There were no beacons Mm -hmm. to say, this is the next place to go. And then I met this woman who became, you know, the leader of Queensland. And she somehow lit up a marker for me to say, even for me as an Aboriginal woman, this could be something, this is another direction that you could take. And it wasn't long after that that I joined the Labor Party and then I um, got involved in 
you know, how do you create good policy in the political realm? And then it kind of just eventuated from there. And now, again, there's so many firsts in my life. I'm a bit scared of what's going to come next. But, uh, you know, first Aboriginal woman elected to the Queensland Parliament, first Aboriginal person to ever hold a ministry in a cabinet. And it's 2016. Like, that happened last year, but the first time that that's ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. How does it feel going to work every day in a, especially the old building, Yeah. where so many policies were passed to disadvantage, mm. uh, possibly even your father, possibly even your grandfather? Absolutely. To disadvantage me even, yeah. you know, as a young child. Um, or even just in the last government, there were policies that were disadvantaging yeah. um, me and others. And, you know, there are rooms, there are rooms here that are beautiful grand rooms that are lined with portraits of non-Indigenous men, just lined with them, all of whom were architects of particular policies of the time, you know. Um, so for me, I kind of go, ha-ha, jokes on all of you. Because <laughs> here I am and I'm, you know, I'm going to be part of it. I'm not going to be quiet. So, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. I love it every day. My full conversation with Leanne Enoch is really great. There's more in there about women in power, what it is to grow up on country and what the economy and even the future might look like where at points you can even hear there's moments in the story where we're both tearing up because it is quite emotional when um, we kind of think about what the past has brought us and what the future might bring us. It's a great chat. Episode 134, if you want to roll back and check it out. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks to Abby Benno, who produced this episode. Andy Ma, who did audio and video post. Ben and Monica for keeping the lights on and you for listening. Talk to you on Friday. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.